0: John, over the course of 200 plus episodes, looking at 200 over 200 Magnificent movies, as well as The Goonies, you and I have hit upon some common themes. Uh, One of which is that, generally, one of us will be floored by the movie, with the other one of us deciding it's just okay. Um, Mm. Another one is that uh, the 90s remained uh, the most... uh, uh, Just the greatest flourishing of of cinematic achievement that we know of. (laughs) Absolutely. Nothing but good stuff. And then finally, I think um, probably the most uh, persistent idea that we've had is that award shows are stupid. Um, They're facile, pointless, and as you correctly astutely pointed out, bad television. Mm. Yes, absolutely. So I thought for this special bonus episode... Um, you and I try to correct that. We try to do something a little different. So this isn't exactly an awards shep- episode. Instead, this has been what the show has always been, psychological warfare. <laughs> yes. And obviously, in the spirit of competition, we're pitting these movies head-to-head. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is not uh one of those sixty-four team brackets like March Madness or anything like that. Again, not a, not a fair way to judge movies. Instead, we're going to embrace debate. Instead of having someone come up and and flumper about like uh you know Roger Ebert once said that <laughs> movies are like machines that generate empathy. No, this is not like that. Instead, uh we're gonna look at cat- uh, movies in particular categories. See how they align, and then you and I will pick two nominees to go head to head,
1: and then yeah. you know,
0: in a debate, we'll decide who who wins, what comes out top trumps or uh, on top. Which one's top? Which one's bottom? Uh, which one's getting top? Which one's <laughs> which one's dom? Which one's sub? Yeah. You know, all the all the all the great categories. So. Yes, yes, yeah. And believe you me, all of these episodes are eating ass. So, <laughs> without any further ado. <laughs> That's not true. I, I feel like there's some romance also going on here. <laughs> oh excuse me, Greg you, that that speaks to you that you don't think you can be romantic without eating ass. okay? I think <laughs> that you know love making takes many forms, sorry yes. <laughs> All right. Uh let's get to uh a category that's all about sucking dick in the most beautiful way possible, of course. <laughs> um let's let's start out negatively and just I don't know really bring the fire for this first one. Uh, of the 200 films that we've watched, what is the worst film uh mm. that we've seen? I I guess I'll, I'll go with your nominees first and see if we have any over- overlap. Okay, so I this one believe it or not, was a bit of a struggle for me (laughs) because (laughs) like, obviously this is a a, a podcast about adjudicating classics. So there has been very few atrocious movies. I do have a select few I just want to highlight here. We've got um, Mm -hmm. Almost Famous, um, yeah. That one's pretty low on the list. Singing in the Rain, personally, for me, I know some people love it, but I found it quite boring. Some people love it. Oh, I don't know. American Film Institute, Screen yeah. Actors Guild, like, yes. <laughs> well, I, ever the contrary, and I had to bring that one up. Yeah, We've mm-hmm. got, I also include on the list, Passion of the Christ. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Just because, but again, like, that one's, like, not in terms well, of, like overall quality but also just yeah. like in terms of thesis and what the movie's trying to accomplish i just think it's an utter lack of failure yeah. and then to round it out i had to add a new classic in there so i included hillbilly elegy <laughs> so <laughs> but we all know and you know i brought it up a million times the worst movie we have actively watched for this podcast i will contend is always american beauty i yeah i knew that's where this was going mm-hmm. like yeah I, again i you and I are what looking cl- at classics here, so it's hard to... They're, they're not bad films by any stretch of the imagination. And for me, they didn't inspire much vitriol. Um, I, I had on here actually some older ones that I didn't like. Well, first first and foremost, in terms of like maybe the worst craft on display was Love Actually. Mm. That might have been the worst crafted movie we've seen. Um, but I actually really didn't like some movies from the uh, early 60s and, and 50s. Um, I had Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. That one just... I don't know. It just didn't in, didn't really inspire didn't speak me. Speak to you, yeah, yeah. It didn't speak to me. Same with Jacques Tati's playtime. Um, yeah, well, that, that one will make an appearance later. In my yes, list. <laughs> that one might, might might appear in another category. And then the 1954 version of A Star Is Born. Um, mm. Also, I I mean for me, I mean just going based on my IMDb rankings, like uh, the worst film for me was Almost Famous however yeah i can't generate the same vitriol that you have for american beauty so (laughs) that at this one i will cede to you sir i will say (laughs) Well, it's American also Beauty such a, a disappointment because, again, like '90s, we just we, we discovered that the '90s is truly the last great decade for movies, and then to cl- close it on such a such a horrible note is just so disappointing. Almost yeah, famous, the, you know, that's clear. '2000s, in and of itself, you know, that's acceptable, <laughs> but mm-hmm. to close out in 1999, and again, to win Best Picture, ooh, it just boils the blood. <laughs> exactly. Yes, to come out the same year as obviously all these beloved movies like The Matrix and Fight Club and uh being John Malkovich and, and seeing that movie win, yes. Mm-hmm. I could see how yeah, it's it's um yeah, raised your blood pressure a little bit. But yeah, there's we have a clear winner there. Um so yeah, sorry sorry for the lack of fireworks in that first category. Um let's see if we get any in our next one. <laughs> Best, uh, a classic of any awards show, Best Kiss. <laughs> um, so this one I called Best, Greg, when Greg was looking for categories, I'm like, all right, let's embrace debate. I'm thinking of the most contentious movie awards ceremony, which is the MVT, <laughs> Yes, MBT, MTV yeah. Movie Awards, which obviously everyone's favorite category is Best Kiss. So I'm calling mm-hmm. this Best Kiss, but also just Best Couple, which, you know, which uh, yeah. movie lets your loins on fire? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I guess I'll go first. Again, since we are talking about, I, I, I was looking more at chemistry, maybe not that uh, that fire. Mm. Um, but um, I had Juliet Binoche and William Chamel in certified copy. I mean, there is mm. some fire there, even though they don't um, seal the deal, as it were. <laughs> um, same with uh, Humphrey Goat Bogart and Ingrid Bergman in uh, Casablanca, of course. Yep. That's another one. And just in terms of chemistry, I mean, you can't say no to Totoro in My from My Neighbor Totoro. So <laughs> there may not be any romantic inklings there, but, like, again, chemistry. Um, but for me, I mean, it, top, this could be some recency bias because this is one of our later episodes. However, no, nothing for me beat Rosalind Russell and Gary Grant and his girl Friday. Mm, I mean... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> See, again, recency bias. I was going to go clueless because, oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> Nothing like a little inner family love right there, let me tell you. I know, there was there was something else that really sparked your romantic interest in that one. <laughs> Indeed. However, it's funny that you went recency bias. I was looking more towards our earlier episodes where we were looking at uh, the romantic films of the 1950s, yeah. such as Roma- um, uh, The African Queen, which is a big mm-hmm. contender for me. But I would say the best romance film we looked at is probably Roman Holiday. Yeah, but uh, it's just so. Th- yes, they really filmed in Rome or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, like like a lot of these movies from the '50s, I just found it dull, oh. and it it ends on this kind of sour note. Like again, I wanted the. I remember watching that movie of wanting the big silly romantic ending because it is a big, kind of silly. B- silly movie about this uh this girl this princess running away and running yeah. into a, a haggard american reporter like and it doesn't give you that it just gives you like the eh, whatever like wasn't that fun <laughs> um, whereas it, rosalind russell and Cary grant are always playing 10 out of 10 like to the raptors, to the cheap seats in terms of their uh, rapid fire rapid fire chemistry <laughs> good sir hot crackers what a scoop <laughs> i guess that's true i guess i can't argue that um, I think the other thing, uh, kind of coloring my opinion uh, for mm-hmm. Roman holidays, because we also watch Breakfast at Tiffany's, which is one yeah. of the most aromantic movies I think we've experienced <laughs> for this podcast. Not just what do you because mean, John, I'm sure, I'm sure there were some feelings between uh, Audrey Hepburn and Truman Capote, obviously, <laughs> or excuse me, it was Marilyn Monroe. What am I saying? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah. Not the, movie, not the star that the story that's inspired by. Uh, yeah, that inspired movie. by the true friendship. <laughs> I, I, again, like, revisiting that, I was wondering why um, that movie kind of defined Audrey Hepburn's career when she's so much better in Roman Holiday. And I'm sure she's better in a lot of other movies, because that movie is just thumbs down. (laughs) Boo. (laughs) Why, John? What about it? It (laughs) it Makes it it, give you a thumbs down. Well, believe it or not, you know, as as, as championed as it is among the Asian American community, (laughs) I just don't think that the portrayal is just quite there. I think he's got it 80% of the way (laughs) there. God. (laughs) No, that's kidding, the most insulting thing yeah that's the most <laughs> insulting thing anybody's ever said like is it a character? sure there's some accuracy though like yeah no that's the most insulting thing you can say obviously mm. yeah I don't know how to say goodbye I
1: can't think many words don't try
0: I I don't know, again, so far this this one hasn't inspired a lot of fireworks either. Um, We'll just say mine because there's more energy to it. Um, Okay, fine, fine, fine. I'll I'll, I'll accept it, I'll accept it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hope you also accept this surprise trivia challenge. What? Yes, Um, since this is based on the Best Kiss Award at the MTV Movie Awards, John, who won the inaugural Best Kiss Award at the MTV Movie Awards? Can you give me a year? Yes, 1992. I am going to go... Um, damn. Uh, Cl- yeah. Clueless was too new. Damn it. I don't... Yeah. yeah, I'm out of ideas. It's it's a tough one. It is Macaulay Culkin and, and Anne Chalimsky in My Girl. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> the teenagers and, were clamoring over My Girl? <laughs> well, that's a, yeah, That's the thing. I, I don't know what the key age demographic was for mtv in 1992 Mm -hmm. i think by then people already started complaining complaining that music television didn't play music videos (laughs) anymore and yeah i remember it being a very awkward first kiss between them and um that's not that's not people's biggest impressions that's not not what they were left with uh from the movie my girl but yeah (laughs) good to know good to know yes yeah wow fun trivia okay Mm -hmm. all right our next category what are we thinking well i mean we've we've been kind of negative in looking at the worst um How about we turn it into something positive huh let's let's get a little campy let's let's d- derive some entertainment value even if the movie doesn't uh deliver in all in all areas I'm talking kitsch comedy classics here, John, <laughs> which <laughs> are the one that I don't know, you derive the most let's say unintentional uh entertainment out of what's the one that you know may not have uh, won you over? Uh, critically or artistically, but instead uh, in kind of its uh, datedness, or, or well, it was it was a close call because mm-hmm. they and they're both from the 70s, so and they feel very much like 70s movies, and you know that's a very kitschy decade. So it was either, um, and again, they these are two films that really rhyme. There's a lot of like you know kind of like poetry between them. It was either the Barbra Streisand version of A Star Is Born, or Logan's Run. And so obviously watching those back-to-back, you know, you're probably confused <laughs> on which one's which. But yeah. I'm going to have to lean into Logan's run for Boxy the Robot. <laughs> yes, you're right about the robot. Got Those were my top two contenders as well. However, I can't get over their the romantic getaway Pueblo. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and just what a wonderfully designed home that is. Uh, this is yeah. This is a tough one. Those are the two two ones. Mm. I also had um, meet me in St. Louis uh, for the mm. wonderful uh, Halloween scene where you go to people's houses, knock on their door, and scream "I hate you." <laughs> and, uh, you know, a classic Halloween tra- Halloween tradition. Yeah, <laughs> that lives on to this day.
1: <laughs>
0: Absolutely. But I think you're right, like, in terms of, like, kitschiness, because I also thought it was a sci-fi movie out of the 50s, the way it's, like, directed and how, like, histrionic and ridiculous it is. Yeah, it's got to be Logan's run. Mm. I mean, based on the costumes alone, the costumes (laughs) also make it. Well, again, we have yet to see Zardos, so maybe Zardos will take that crown. Maybe that's it, yes, yes. And uh, I don't know, maybe we'll have to play the two films simultaneously. And maybe um, Barbara Streisand's, like, seven-minute Frog Rock anthem at the end is also, like, is what puts it over the top. There you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, next up, let's talk um, Most Pleasant Surprise. Since we're staying in, the, in a positive direction, what, yeah, what yeah. movie would you say was the most pleasant surprise for you? Yeah, yeah, you weren't expecting you to like, like, and then all of a sudden you're like ah, a revelation. Yeah, because um, let's let's be honest. You and I go in with like preconceived notions. We either look forward to ones or like not so much. Um, I got to say, some of the most pleasant surprises were uh, Beauty and the Beast. Like I didn't expect to get my pants charmed off uh, by that <laughs> movie. Um, also, also Malcolm X. I thought, oh, this is going to be a three-hour like bloated, ridiculous movie. That was also great. Same with Bobette's Feast. Um, and then Halloween, which I thought would just be a, a typical slasher movie. Instead, it's a wonderful suspense movie. But um, none surprised me more than Robocop. That is, that is such, it's such an exceptional movie, especially with the way it's lauded by Gen X and all these dorks who, like, mm. you know, think like. <laughs> who literally want to live in the TV and go back to, you know, the Goonies and, I don't know, basically see Stranger Things as reflections of their lives. Like, yeah. I thought it was just going to be another, like. Nostalgia trip, like not as good as people remember it, but no, it is as good as uh, oh, okay. <laughs> as stated. Yeah, so that was that was the most pleasant surprise for me. All right, well, I'm going to save that one for a later uh later topic. Okay, but right. for this one, I was going more for you know because we watch a lot of uh, art house films for this podcast, and so you know you always go in expecting what an art house film "quote unquote" is, and then you can always be kind of pleasantly surprised about what that is. And for me, the one that kind of got me out of that mold or got me out of that way of thinking was probably Paris, Texas. Because, ah. you know, that one's kind of like setting you up to think it's one thing, and then it turns out to be something very, very different. And even though it's very, like, a slow and deliberately paced movie, it never loses its edge. It never loses, it never lost my interest, and it always kept me engaged throughout and always thinking. So I think that one is definitely up there, although there's a handful of other ones uh, I could think of. But Paris, Texas, I think, really, really kind of sticks out in my mind when I was, like, going in not thinking I would like it, and then turned out a uh, revelation. <laughs> yeah. Put I think, my yeah, put I'll, my quote I'll, on the box. Revelation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll I'll go with that one too because yeah, I, I based it I based my Robocop pick on how other people lauded it and being a contrarian, like, no, it can't be that good, but mm-hmm. obviously it was. Um but yeah, Paris, Texas, you think like, Oh, this is gonna be a strange psychological drama about a guy coming out of the desert, um but yeah, just like gorgeous cinematography that literally like en- envelops you like every like literally every frame of the film and yeah, it's it's just outstanding. you're right. I, that that's a, that is a much better pick for this category. <laughs> um, so once again, no debate here. You, you had the you had the right choice, so <laughs> oh yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And for the first time, he wished he were far away, lost in a deep, vast country where nobody knew him, somewhere without language or streets. And he dreamed about this place without knowing its name. And when he woke up, he was on fire. There were blue flames burning the sheets of his bed. He ran through the flames toward
0: the only two people he loved. But they were gone. Well, Greg, because we just talked about our most pleasant surprise, I think it's only fair that we talk about the film that let us down the most. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this this one, th- this one, my pick is a little bit more controversial. Um, oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah, because I, cause I had some some ones based on, they weren't based on my expectations, but they were based on the laudits. like uh, the green mile, obviously a big Oscar nominee back in 1999 and who oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not the most disappointing film of 1999, but uh, yeah, it's just I like a huge disappointment in terms of like all the racial stereotyping and, mm-hmm. and, and the out, trickliness is, of it all. Yeah. The trickliness, how the story doesn't hold together, like stuff like that. Um, but in terms of what it's like, I had being there, like, I was really kind of disappointed. I just thought it was a, a dull movie, huh. um, especially when people, like, laud it as an all-time classic. Um, same with All About Eve, which is obviously one of the biggest Oscar winners of all time, winning, like, the five big categories. And then it was just, like, kind of a, a nothing for me. Um <laughs> But um, yeah, my biggest disappointment is another '80s classic, John. One that obviously Gen Xers the door. It's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Wow. Which, yeah, it's oh. as we said in that episode. Not only is it not one of the greatest films of all time, it's not even the best in its own franchise. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Harsh. Yeah. So again, that that's a little harsh. But again, like th- the way people praise that movie mm. as if it's some, um, as if it belongs in in a pantheon of great. Uh, cinematic masterpieces when there is no theme, there is no character. It, it's just American James Bond, only somehow not as interesting as James Bond to me. So <laughs> mm, Interesting. Yeah. See, it's funny because all your selections, I thought were kind of like, they matched what my expectations were. So I don't, mm-hmm. I, you know, I wasn't disappointed by them. You're right. I think we talked to the fact that it's like, do they live up to the reputation? Maybe not so much, but they still kind of like fit it. For me, um, I went with... A few of the musicals, because I like musicals, and then when they let me down, it it feels all the worse. So I included in my nominees uh, America in Paris and The Sound of Music. I was Mm -hmm. hoping that I would like those more. I did not. I found both of them quite boring. Um, Another big one for me was Barton Fink. Because we really? love the Cohen brothers and, yeah. you know, they, they can do no wrong in our eyes. But unfortunately, I think with their comedy, they're much more missed than hit, unfortunately. So um, I included Barton Fink just to get one of the throwbacks, like one of the earliest episodes we ever did. Um, but for me, I think there's nothing more disappointing. And it hurts my heart to say this. <laughs> young Frankenstein. Oh, ooh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one was... we have family and friends who obviously adore that movie but yeah like coming coming off of other like Mel Brooks movies yeah it was just such a such such an odd thing that we just missed I think it's because we don't appreciate like those old uh 30s horror movies from Universal like yeah we were just like it just completely flew over our heads I'm sure it's how some people feel about Spaceballs and Mm -hmm. not getting all the Star Wars stuff and um (laughs) But yeah, for us, it, yeah, it just it was a miss for both of us, wasn't it? Um. Yeah, like we, I mean, and again, it's like it's really hard not to absolutely love Mel Brooks because, like, like again, like going back to like your Raiders, like Steven Spielberg, like oh my God, you know, like he, like manna from heaven, just you know how talented they are. But you know, it's just like and one of this movies that's considered their best. It's just like it doesn't quite hit the mark, and you know, at least for either one of us. So yeah, that one will always be kind of a sore spot for me. The fact that I mm. you know didn't love it more, but. Oh, yeah. Well. Yeah. I, well, I guess let's 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 get it back into to more exciting territory literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I guess our next our next category is one you pick most exciting. I guess the the one that kind of grips your attention cuz we looked at a lot of films that yeah are like artistic endeavors but they are 20, 30 plus years old and not made for today's audiences or attention spans, so they may not grip you in the same way. I think this is a good category in saying, like, of all the films we looked at, (laughs) which one will actually hold your attention the longest? And, yeah, yeah, for me, uh, I I went with the most obvious one, like the most contemporary movie we looked at, Mad Max Fury Road. That was definitely on my list as well, yes. (laughs) Um, If if you want to go for a silent movie, The General um, (laughs) also holds your attention. (laughs) And then the, there's, of course, the 80s uh, uh, action classics like Robocop and Predator. I mean, I was also like pleasantly surprised by Predator uh, because, again, it, it, its reputation, I thought, like, there's no way it can be that good. But, you know, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but the most exciting for me is none other than the Grand Master, the Emperor, Kira Kurosawa's Throne of Blood. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I, <laughs> yeah. I I can kind of see that. You know, it's mm-hmm. still it's still samurai movie, so you know they make you they make you they earn it. You know, they, it's a lot of talky, and then it's the fun action bits. So I'm kind of surprised you're going with that one, but I understand. I get it. I get it. Okay, okay, okay. Th- okay. Listen, this is not this is not a me problem. All right, <laughs> I can I can't control that. Literally. Kurosawa somehow put, infused all his films with this magnetism that just mm-hmm. draws me in alright I don't know how he does it but um, yeah it's not just the, the talkiness John there's also the inventive filmmaking like uh, when our our, Ham- our Macbeth stand in like and Encounters the Three Witches and then in the same frame like their hut disappears as you know those kind of like fun shots and, and Toshiro Mifune incapable of giving a boring performance I absolutely mean, true absolutely you want to talk true. about magnetism yeah <laughs> And again, that, that finale with the arrows, just the volume yeah. of arrows. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he gets one right through the neck and he starts a zombie call. Come on. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. Great stuff. Yep. Um, for me, yes, included a lot of the same uh, m- movies like Robocop and Mad Max. Um, I have two here, though, that I want you to consider. Fitzcarraldo. Because that one, I kind of think, that one, you know, you never quite are sure what's going to happen next with that movie. That one's kind of like the slowest moving heist movie ever. So the (laughs) fact that it kind of like maintains your attention, I kind of want to like give it a lot of credence for that. And then also Mm -hmm. the Battle of Algiers. Something Ooh. a little more kind of like political. What do you what do you think yeah. of that one? I yeah, because Algiers, that movie, that listened to us, Algiers. <laughs> 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 What's good about that one and and Dirty? Yeah, we're gonna start abbreviating now. Um, but um, yeah, the Battle of Algiers. Argy- yeah, there's a lot going on at not just the documentary filmmaking, but you can also say like, oh, there's a, there's a rich history behind this too. Yeah, that's good. We could say the same of of another movie we looked at called Z, which is also mm-hmm. a a French-produced movie about political strife and upheaval, yeah. Ooh, that's a that's a good one. But no, it's come on, John. It's, it's still no Kurosawa. You're right. I can't. I can't argue. All right. Yeah. Look, you know. No, you won't argue. You won't because <laughs> you know you won't win. You're right, Greg. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sumpai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One day, I will open that Cur- Kurosawa Museum um, <laughs> somewhere, someday. Okay. <laughs> Fun fact, the date this recording, they're finally opening the uh, Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences Museum that they've been working on for the past, like, really? two decades. Yes, I haven't a, seen it's... a area PR release about that, so you're doing a better job than they are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I only noticed it when, they, when I saw a street lamp advertisement for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's literally this, like, Death Star thing. Like, it's a big dome thing that looks like um, Return of the Jedi for the longest time, just hovering above <laughs> uh, Wilshire Boulevard. But, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, John, I hope you're ready for another trivia challenge. <laughs> yes. Send it. <laughs> yeah. Give it to me. Suck it to me, <laughs> All right. baby. Yes. All right. Um, Th- a Throne of Blood is one of three Shakespeare adaptations that Kurosawa the Emperor completed over his long and storied career. Name the other two. See the problem is I can name the westerns that were inspired by his films. <laughs> but I can't remember the actual like the the originators. The uh yes. Ooh, okay. I assume he made some adaptation of Hamlet. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna assume that's Ikiru, um <laughs> or Ran no, Ran is one of them. But I don't okay, remember. What I'll give you that. Is. Yeah. And then there's um I can't. Yeah, I give up. I, I got. <laughs> I, I, I was going to give you probably more than half credit because you got both half right. Um, okay, Ron. Ron is based on King Lear. Okay, and uh, he did make a movie based on Hamlet uh, a couple years later. It's called The Bad Sleep Well. Um, the, wait that's based on Hamlet <laughs> yes <laughs> I can picture I, in my mind's eye bad sleep well I had no idea it's based on Hamlet <laughs> yes it's based on Hamlet it's it's contemporary for one thing that's why it's a little confusing and mm-hmm. um, it's a little more it's a little more fast and loose um, oh, okay. with it same with Ron it's it's three sons instead of daughters because obviously women had no, <laughs> had no place or political power in Japan at the time but anyway um, so that's so uh, bad sleep well is his lion king got it okay cool yes exactly yes <laughs> it's kimber the white lion one-to-one ratio got it yeah all right cool all right um Let's let's sway it back to negative, John, because we can't okay. be too positive here. Yeah, let's let's look at what was the most boring movie. Um. Yeah, so this one, I I I said we have to do this one because again, we watch a lot of art house movies, and I'll be honest, like I had to go back into my memory palace to figure out. All right, what movie did I fall asleep to the most? <laughs> because there's a few movies where I just like they could not hold my attention, and I just could not. Stay awake, unfortunately, and so um, there's a few options. Uh, there's the searchers for one. Um, breathless was another one that I found, mm-hmm. you know, excruciatingly boring. How but, dare you! But right, number one, <laughs> and again, you're gonna—I'm gonna get in trouble for this. Number yep. one, like again, with a bullet, just like American Beauty, it has to be number one. The rules of the game—I could not keep my eyes open. For the rules of the game, that movie had nothing for me. I felt nothing watching okay, that movie. Are you movie. done? Are you done with your time? Are yes. you done with your time? All yes. right. Good. Yeah. Good. Your mic is cut off. You're done. All wow. right. <laughs> because at the, at the rules of the game. At least there's juice there. All right. Mm. <laughs> At least there's there's juice, um, which I can't say for uh, Antonioni's blow up. Um, mm-hmm. Now, and now, granted, that's that's sort of to be expected. He's he's a director with a lot of long, slow movies, and and we could also we brought this up earlier. Jacques Dutty's playtime, <laughs> yes, playtime, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was trying to I was trying to avoid doing overlaps like that. So it's yes, like, we could put playtime into a lot of categories, but I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna keep myself at bay. Yeah, the, I had another nominee here that that doesn't feel fair. Because I said earlier that like, Kurosawa has this magnetism to his films that attract me. Mm-hmm. This director has the exact opposite effect. Like the poles are reversed, and it's Fellini, and it's Eight and a Half. Because um, I literally did fall asleep during that movie. The two, the first two attempts, I tried to finish it. Um, so, yeah, okay. but but that's a, again that's a me problem. That's not. Yeah. I, I don't think that's that's on Fellini. That's that's this particular critic. Um, however, none of them bored me as much as a. Uh, this one that still gets lauded to this day, All the President's Men. <laughs> mm. yeah. oh, I forgot we did that one. That one was even on <laughs> the running for me. But now that I'm thinking about it, you're absolutely right. <laughs> it's, it's a very, very, very slow movie. But again, yeah. like as we discussed on the episode, like, ooh, Time Machine. <laughs> um, you know, that's kind of the point. It's very mm-hmm. much about procedure, and, you know, it's not trying to be histrionic at all. It's, you know, just the facts, ma'am, dun, 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 dun. So you're right. Even, like, in the smoky, you know, like, clandestine meetings in the parking garage, it's still very much like, okay, this is what you need to do. And, and, they, and then they just do it. And <laughs> it, even, it even feels like it ends anticlimactically. It's like, and then Nixon resigned. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, th- this was going to be my counter, my counter to you, John. Um, is there a murder at the end of All the President's Men? No. Is there one at the end of all the, the rules of the game? <sighs> Fair point. I can't See, argue. See, there's juice, there's <laughs> juice in, in all the rules, in the rules of the game. You're right. <laughs> I was going right. to combine the two. All the rules of the game. <laughs> <laughs> all, the, all the president's rules of the game. game yeah. <laughs> See, the problem is they need to remake. Greg, all right. Yeah. Again, this is why Hollywood needs to hire us. Billion dollar idea. Mm-hmm. Remake. All the president's men. Written. Directed. By. Aaron circuit Boom. Um, Duh. Brilliant. <laughs> you know he's tried. You know he's, <laughs> sh- 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 sh. I don't doubt that. <laughs> uh, a fun, no, John don't, don't speak this evil with the world. <laughs> Greg, um, I thought Greg, I thought you loved it. I do you do you have contempt for this country? <laughs> I yes I do. Um it's it's an obscene country. Um <laughs> It should be demolished. It should be taken away. Its its empire should should be reined back in, and um, yes, we should institute uh, President Xi can't uh, can't take over our country fast enough. <laughs> yes. have two categories left thankfully they're both positive um, well, i have i have three categories i don't know about you oh really okay all right what's the one i'm missing then what's, so what's i have next? i have um i have best film uh worst picture winner best film we saw for the first time most mainstream film the most experimental film okay oh right 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 I didn't have those down okay. um, yeah let's do, the <laughs> let's do the experimental film because I had a hard time coming up with nominees okay alright got it alright mm. so for this one I was basically just I wanted to do most mainstream film because again we've talked about a lot about like Oscar baby movies and movies that were you know awarded best picture so I wanted to at least yeah. highlight the movies that you know tried to do something a little bit off kilter and very very weird so um, yeah. a few movies I featured in this list uh, Stalker is one of them I wish we did mm. more um, Tartos Films, um, mm. so I wanted to highlight Stalker. Um, I included Donnie Darko and Bonnie and Clyde because those movies were, you know, for their day, quite yeah. odd. Now, nowadays we can kind of see, look back, and see it's like, oh, okay, that's pretty mainstream nowadays. But for those movies, that was pretty out there. Uh, I included Eight and a Half, which we've already discussed. <laughs> but mm-hmm. of course, I also have to bring up Koyaanisqatsi. Which is probably the weirdest film we've done. Probably the most art housey of art house films we've done for this podcast. Uh, well, exactly. That, there's one like clear, far and away, you know, <laughs> winner here, and it mm. is Koyanisksky. One of again applied to so many categories for me. Like it was such a pleasant surprise. It may be. Mm. It may come up as one of the best films that I've seen uh, over the course of this podcast. Yeah, there's something so gripping about it. Even if um, yeah, there's no. Words to it. There's no convention in terms of the filmmaking. There is just Philip Glass music over uh, stock footage, or like, and but yeah, it works. It works brilliantly. So um, yeah, again, it's, th- there's some consensus here. Um, there's also a trivia challenge, John. Oh, yeah. Again, you just you hit Adam. You just hit me. Whew. I'm not ready yeah. for it. But this is this is part of the fun. Yes, exactly. So, John, from what language does the word Katsis derive? Um, I believe it's Cherokee. Wrong. Close. It's Hopi. Ah, dang it. I knew it was one of the first peoples, but uh, yeah, I couldn't remember off the top of my head. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, I guess did we already go over mainstream one or uh kind of we we've kind yeah. of danced around it. So um we're also going to be talking about the worst best picture winner so maybe this yes. one <laughs> this one will be you know there's kind of an overlap with that category but uh for this one I was thinking of like movies that were you know generally very Oscar baity maybe they didn't win best picture but you know felt like they were very kind of conventional and a little too easygoing like i was kind of hoping for something a little a little kind of sharper so i included stuff like on golden pond the mm-hmm. last emperor cinema paradiso chariots of fire and the one i knew would get your goat the one that you're going to hate <laughs> me for the most conventional reagan approved movie on our, that we've ever <laughs> done for this podcast Field of Dreams. <laughs> Fair enough. I can't. Yeah, I can't dispute that. Uh, I I went with. Yeah, I'm like kind of middle-brow entertainment. The one I had in this. Uh, I guess Sound of Music applies. That literally did yes. win Best Picture. Yeah. Um, Beauty and the Beast again feels like kind of conventional. But again, it was. I, I guess I'm taking for granted that it was literally only the second of this Renaissance and like it, not part of this formula yet. Yeah. Um, but the one I. <laughs> The one I thought was the most like kind of middlebrow entertainment and the most straightforward of these kind of mainstream movies was none other than *The Straight Story*, um, huh. which is also like a pastoral, like *Field yeah. of Dreams* pastoral, um, straightforward. There is the magical realism of *Field of Dreams*, but yeah, it's still like very cons- conventional and conservative, and it's kind <laughs> of like <laughs> yeah. And I guess I guess the reason why I didn't include the straight story because like it's almost too straightforward it's too yeah. there's not there's nothing really much there besides the mystique that the filmmaker obviously brings to you know the the potential of him doing this movie you're right there's not enough like at least with the field of dreams we can argue about the politics of it yeah. <laughs> to a certain extent um mm-hmm. i guess also like I, I guess i call it mainstream what i'm really really against is the boomer the boomer favorite <laughs> i guess yeah. is what this what this category can be called <laughs> Mm-hmm. which the straight story feels you know like yes it's it's good heart- good hearted family entertainment, but there's still not enough there to really kind of like feel any way about it, i suppose yeah and and it kind of depends like you could see some sinister stuff under like field of dreams um <laughs> i'll I'll confess to still like you know th- th- being won over by having a catch with your dad <laughs> like you know so. <laughs> So it's if it's being manip if it's being manipulative entertainment like still a plus there. Um, okay. I guess I guess that's the thing that that's maybe a demerit to the straight story in in this category is that it's not manipulative. It's not you know it's not really like playing fast and unfair with anything. Um, mm. But there are still those hallmarks, like uh, the the conversation about uh, their experiences of World War II, or Sissy Spacek playing a a, a mentally challenged person, like stuff like that. That also kind <laughs> yeah, of got get my go. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, like it's funny too because like it uh, it's not histrionic because all that stuff it's it's reliant on the actors just telling us that and making it yeah. compelling as opposed to you know showing. So, which you mm-hmm. could argue you know is is to its benefit or its demerit. You know. Depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Um, so worst Best Picture winners? I thought, <laughs> this was I thought we were going to... This was a tough one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I thought, Yeah, I thought we were going to forego this category because you obviously have uh, uh, saved up a lot of vinegar for one, one in particular. But yeah, um, we found there's a lot of... Uh, we have a lot of uh, cannon fodder in this mm. one. Um, going back on my list, I had An American in Paris um, yep. as well as Chicago. Basically that whole musical month. <laughs> um, <laughs> not great. No, that was a big disappointment, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, for me, though, I have to give it to one of the other worst movies we've seen for this podcast. Life is beautiful, just an absolute complete misstep on every <laughs> fundamental level. No, that, that was a nominee, not a winner. I was. <laughs> oh, I wait, that wasn't a winner. Win. I thought it won. Oh no, wow. it, it won. Well, it won best foreign film, uh... and then in, in a surprise, won best actor for Roberto Benigni. That's that's the one where he climbed over the seats and. Okay, that was a surprise. Yeah, got it. All right. Yeah. Well, it's still American Beauty because that movie is complete (laughs) absolute garbage. (laughs) The worst performances. Everyone uh, turned out, even Kevin, even Kevin Spacey. But (laughs) we don't need to talk about that. (laughs) No. Yeah. The less said, the better. Exactly. Um, I have a category here: Best Spotlight. I don't know if you had, um, if you had any movies that we didn't. The that's not an episode title that you wanted to, like viewers to take away from uh, take away with or something. Um, the only one I could think of was, uh, and I I think I bring it up quite a bit. Uh, Grave of the Fireflies is mm-hmm. probably the best movie, and the one I kind of regret doing for a spotlight because again that could have been an episode in of itself. So that one I always kind of like think back to. It's like, well, what do you recommend like most of any of your spotlights? I think the other problem with my spotlights is it tends to be something I watch that week, mm-hmm. and um. <laughs> Usually, what I recommend falls apart by episode nine or ten, so um, don't take my my spotlights with a lot of grain of salt. I guess. Okay, yeah, I, I mine are a little different because I do catch up on the the independent movies uh, for better or worse. Uh, thankfully, it's for better. So, like one of the earliest ones, I love that Icelandic movie Rams, um, mm-hmm. which I think is one of the like first spotlights we ever did. Um, same with First Reformed. I went back and, and saw how negative I was initially, but. <laughs> In the in the weeks like and years since that movie came out, I, I adore it. Um, same with After the Storm. Um, that's a, a kind of a hidden gem from a hidden director um, named Hirokazu Koreeda, uh, A documentary that you can see on Hulu, Minding the Gap. Um, but come on. I, I think the one that i had the most enthusiasm for and the one i wanted to share with the world the most and and like stop strangers on the street to talk about was the uh 3 hour director's cut of the new world on the criterion channel <laughs> <laughs> yes you did you did go on <laughs> that movie for quite yeah. a bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, that one again like uh going back to I wish we had done more Tarkovsky. I wish we had done more um Malik movies. I think yeah. we that was a, a plum ripe plum for the picking that we didn't unfortunately take advantage of. So yeah. Exactly, good stuff. Um, speaking of good stuff, I think we only have one le- one category left, right? Or mm-hmm. yes. All right. So this this is very specific. This isn't best picture. This is best picture that we that either you and I saw for the first time. And I feel like we'll have some we'll have some debate here. Um, okay. There'll be some butts and howevers, all right? <laughs> the Stephen A. Smith voice, okay. I'm just going to rattle off my, my f- five nominees. Okay. And, and you can give me your, your, your reaction. You can look straight ahead into the, the camera via, uh, like, Max Kellerman on first take. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you my most incredulous uh, Tucker Carlson face. <laughs> <laughs> all right, are you ready? Yes. Amadeus. Casablanca. Robocop. Fitzcarraldo and Koyan is Good list. Good list. I approve. I approve. (laughs) All right. Um, Now, yours will be wildly different because you saw different films than mine. All these weren't the ones that films that we'd seen for the first time. Um, Yes. Um, Great um, explanation, Greg. Way to go. (laughs) 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 All right. For me Paris, Texas. Mm. Certified copy. Okay. Bicycle Thieves. Mm. Tokyo Story. Oh bes okay yes I'm surprised I didn't see psycho on that list because you you adored psycho I did adore psycho quite a bit but that one yeah. felt a little too uh, like again mainstream like it's <laughs> obvious yeah <laughs> so I, I guess we should I uh, sh- we should also clarify that like two of the movies we've seen uh, that we profiled for this this podcast, Full Metal Jacket and Psycho, are like among my top five all time favorite yep. movies. And yeah. <laughs> and of course, obviously, yeah, I didn't include, uh, you know, Metropolis, uh, My yeah. Dinner with Andre, you know, um, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, Amadeus. Those are all movies that are like in my top 10, my top 20. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously, we watched it so that I had an excuse to talk to you about it. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John, speaking of which, we got to narrow it down to one each. Mhm. And yeah, like uh, like any I don't know good award season, like my heart is kind of with Koyaanisqatsi. Um the conventional pick would be Casablanca, but I got to say the one I'm revisiting the most on YouTube <laughs> and I still derive entertainment out of is Amadeus. That mm-hmm. has got to be my pick for the best movie we've watched over this podcast. It um. is it is quite a it is quite a good one. Um the one that kind of fits sits in my brain the most. <sighs> Well, okay, so, uh, gun to my head, I would say Ensemble Dives for the longest time. Now yeah. that I'm kind of, like, thinking about it, now I'm more on the fence, because it's kind of a tie between the two that just kind of, like, earworm gave me brainworms, or certified copy mm-hmm. in Paris, Texas. So, it's it's really kind of neck and neck between those two, and I think I'm going to have to lean into certified copy, mostly because, like, again, I didn't want to go with the conventional choice, like, again, Psycho would have been easy. Yeah. And you know, for you, like you know, Amadeus is kind of a safe choice. Unfortunately, yeah, that, that's true. Okay, you're right about that. All right, fine. If you want me to walk on my head, you pay. know, and I feel like the roles are reversed. Usually, you're the one who's like championing independent cinema, and I'm the yes. one. I'm the philistine who's like, no, give it to me in period costumes. Give it to me in you know widescreen. I need it letterboxed, or else it doesn't count. Yeah. Um, so it's funny that I'm the one going with the you know talky hey let's walk around italy for a bit (laughs) movie yeah i wish i could say that like amadeus literally won eight oscars in certified coffee like didn't even i don't think it won an award at the palm at the con film festival that it it premiered at but yeah uh, gosh what a role reversal um (laughs) crap all right i'm on the back foot how do i how do i how do i win it when you back well Shoot, I can't win you back because you already, you already love this movie. You already adore it. Yes. Now, th- granted, Amadeus is pulling in everything that a movie can be in terms of costume, sound, yes, performance, mm-hmm. writing, uh, just editing, taste, because it's and about d- classical yes. music, so you, know, you already know it's good. <laughs> uh, th- well, th- in terms of integrating it to the, the drama-elevated art versus the vulgar. Mm-hmm. There's that too. Yes, there's religious devotion versus uh, uh, hedonism. A study in there's... contrasts, yeah. conflicting <laughs> characters. Uh, yes, there's the complete uh, dismissal of history and <laughs> accuracy, <laughs> besmirching good people's name, accusing yes. Salieri, a completely innocent man of murder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and also showing him as a celibate freak instead of a, a father of ten. Yes, the guy who also had, he also had a mistress too. So that's. <laughs> That's he he was that. a real human. He had a real human blood pumping through his veins. <laughs> oh, but yeah, the the Enigma's a certified copy though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, John. I mean, extol the virtues. I, again, I, I feel like I've articulated what I've had to say about. <laughs> tell me, tell me more about certified copy. What? Well, I think what makes certified copy so interesting is the fact that again, like when we think about the cinematic language. Um, yeah. It is. It is playing with your expectations of you as a movie viewer, what you are experiencing versus what the characters are experiencing, and then. Like, oh God, I sound like an asshole saying this, but, you know, it's it's subverting what, you know, tricking you and, and not quite convincing you what you're seeing with your own eyes. Because, again, the mm-hmm. two characters, their relationship changes about three different times throughout the movie. What yeah. You know, you think they're strangers. You think they're former lovers. You think they might still be together. You know, it's... And the fact that, you know, it's, it, it keeps you narratively on your toes like that. So definitely kind of like balanced. And also like, again, I have to kind of give it, as as boorish americans we also have to confess that you know to, to it's it's an extra struggle to watch a movie in a foreign language this movie is in like three different foreign languages and it is still compelling so um that's kind of an unfair uh way to kind of gauge it but again i'm not will- i'm not shy of going below the belt in order to win the argument so i gotta <laughs> i gotta win no matter what <sighs> you're right it's it, it Some somehow it does like it makes even you and I the most cynical savvy like moviegoers of all time like (laughs) kind of question things and Mm -hmm. and really yeah it does catch you by surprise in that way. However, (laughs) John, is it mainstream enough? We're talking (laughs) about mainstream and exciting movies. Like, is is that what we want to leave people with? Is that what we, you know, which which is the one that we have to say like. If you you have to watch one movie before you die. (laughs) Well, I mean, isn't that the eternal debate, isn't it? The eternal struggle. I mean, we still have a thousand one movies to watch before we die. So, um, okay. Gun to my head before we pull this trigger. Yes. You have to go Amadeus. Mostly because, again, I have to be cynical and we have to go with the most obvious. That's three hours. So that's just extending your lifespan right there. Yeah you're just getting the most bang for your buck <laughs> that's that's oh you're right you bring up a good point the three hour one is the director cut which probably isn't as good as the original mm. and i say original because it's it's not it's not exactly it's it's kind of a lost form you know it's it it plays on the you know uh there there's a longer scene in which uh Salieri humiliates uh, Amadeus, or, yeah. uh, Mozart's wife. And you know, uh, yeah, this, the extended one, you get boobies. So, you know, yeah. like that's the. Okay. That's, uh, so that's an improvement. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. This, you do get that. Um, and remember, uh, the, like the impetus of the show wasn't just, you know, um, adjudicating, but also as consumer advice. Is this worth your time? Like, you know, we have yeah. to, like, convince, like, what's more worth your time? You're going to get more bang for your buck for Amadeus, three hours long. You get boobies. You get classical music. So you feel like a fancy pants watching it. You're going to get the most money out of Amadeus. Yeah. John, fire up that Turkish <laughs> opera finale. <laughs> <laughs> Turkish opera? Do you mean Don what, Giovanni's what OGB? No. What, what's the one, the first opera he does? It's set in a Turkish hero. What's that one? Oh, that's, um, God, it's not a magic flute. Marriage no, figure. Right. Marriage figure. No, it's not Virginia Figgrow. Yeah, it it comes later. No, it's ban don't you remember? It's I kinda like (laughs) this. You haven't been watching enough clips on YouTube. (laughs) his first meeting is with the Emperor. That's he wants to do an opera set in a harem. And then it's, it's, it's a somewhat success, even though the, the, uh, the Emperor says it has too many notes. Yes. And then after that, he does the Marriage of Figaro, which the uh, Emperor almost censors because it, it stirs up division between classes, so... Oh, <laughs> yeah. See, so you've seen it more recently than I have, a.k.a. <laughs> okay, <Yes>. you've watched, <laughs> you watched clips on YouTube sooner than I so. Yes, but anyway, uh, just based on that alone, and that space that it occupying the space in my head, yes, it seems that Davis has come out top trumps here. Uh, okay. <laughs> There's too many damn good movies that we watched. Um, <laughs> Psycho, Full Metal Jacket, RoboCop, um, <laughs> Certified Copy, En Son D. The only Koyaanis one I Katsi. wanted to highlight, and again, I think it's a little contentious. Paper Moon. I really like Paper Moon. Oh yes, Paper Moon. Yeah, yeah. That, that that seems to be the one you you had kind of closest to your heart. Um. That's my guilty yeah. pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Badonic bitch. <laughs> sexual? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess that concludes our award show. Again, I, I hope it's, it was more exciting than any Oscars for, for any telecast you've ever seen in your I life. guarantee <laughs> it was. <laughs> 90% sure. Yeah. Well, folks, unfortunately, we've got some bad news. Uh, we're going to be taking another hiatus after this episode. So yeah. we wanted to leave you with, um, you know, just something to ruminate on. Maybe a chance for you to catch up on, on the best of the best so far. So the first 200, you could say. Yes, um, it's it's. Uh, I think you and I are satisfied with what we've done so far. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little scary because the last time we went in, on a hiatus, um, there was a catastrophic outbreak of uh, <laughs> SARS-CoV-2. So um, yes. yeah, who knows? God, who knows what's going to happen with this? Uh... <laughs> well, that's that's that was dramatic irony because the reason why you know COVID hit was because we mm-hmm. had so many plans and then it destroyed them. Here we're just taking hiatus because we have no plans. We're just tired. <laughs> so. <laughs> no i've we've got plans like uh i've i've got something i'm moving house very soon with unreliable internet so um mm. yeah now as a homeowner i can't be doing childish things like <laughs> podcasting anymore and, and frankly we've conquered the medium honestly like yeah. we've we've done everything we set out to do frankly exactly so, and and for people to expect more well i mean that's that's your problem so <laughs> like any you problem not a me exactly. <laughs> it's not a me problem <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> See, John, we can't be throwing out this this podcasting lingo, this uh, this industry inside speak. <laughs> and just when we were about to seal that deal with Ringer, or uh, <laughs> yeah. sorry, what's another gimlet? I don't know. <laughs> Who owns yeah. it? Uh, Wonderly, Wonderly. Yes. Wonderly, maximum fun. Yes, to, uh, uh, exactly right. Um, <laughs> God, remember how different the podcasting air like world was when we started. <laughs> yes. And look at it just passes by. <laughs> That's what makes it everybody jump in their Ferraris. while we continue in our in our you know, twenty year old Subaru? You know what we are? We're the Sparks Brothers of podcasting. That's what we are. Okay. Yes. We're experimental. We're we're indie. You know. We're weird. We're obviously not talented as they are, but <laughs> no. And uh, I think we'll have a, a our uh, at the we'll have a reckoning, not a reckoning or something, but uh. <laughs> oh no, there will be it, a remnant. <laughs> just not yeah. not a good one. <laughs> that'll make it, that makes it sound sinister. Um, no but a, 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 a 20 years later appreciation also also uh voiced it on by Edgar Wright. So. yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he'll be our champion, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he'll be the one who will pluck us out of obscurity. <laughs> yes. Yes, check out Last Night in Soho. <laughs> coming, hopefully coming to a theater near you. Not that we know, because uh, yeah, it's not out yet just this yes. recording. But I don't know. The reviews have been kind of. Uh... But whatever. Well, everything has. Like, yeah. I don't know. Just people. I, t- I feel like out of everything out of the Toronto Film Festival, people were just mad that their screeners weren't working. Oh they that's true. Like, actually, get right. <laughs> I read that AV club like, oh, half and half. I can't, ex- I can't accept, I can't abide by this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and with the opening night uh, movie being Dear Evan Hansen, like mm. the, yeah, uh, yeah. The knives were out. So. An auspicious <laughs> warning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that does it for us folks. But if you want to, if you want to continue uh, loving the podcast, feel free to give us five star reviews and uh, mm-hmm. reach out to us directly by emailing us at aspiringstomps at dot com. Yeah and um follow us on social media we don't post there much anymore <laughs> no. but um yeah if you want to support the show basically um if this is the, somehow the first episode you've listened to and you thought these guys are great where were you <laughs> that's what i want to know <laughs> i i don't know again not not the most uh stranger things have happened so um okay. <laughs> yeah give us a follow on social media and again that review on uh on uh Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify just mean the world to us so <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah your validation does <laughs> mean a lot to us it's, it's cynical it's not the only thing but it is nice <laughs> it's definitely up there yeah I mean after all like in this modern age where else are we supposed to get our validation where else are we mm-hmm. supposed to feel self-actualized except on the internet in numerical numbers with little hearts next to it. of course yeah so even though we won't be there for the rest of 2021 or so keep aspiring yes And until next time, we'll be seeing you.